Today, uh, we continue in on our third message of our series, To Be or Not to Be the Church. If you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, uh, we put up these tall, colorful banners behind us that just coincide with the title image that's on your bulletin cover. Uh, And each week, we're focusing on an area of church life together and highlighting one of those colors. Two weeks ago, Norm introduced the series to us. And last week, Ron highlighted the red banner, uh, which was worshiping together, where he was focusing on what it means to be a saint and a follower of Jesus Christ, living a life of worship, joining together with the saints, fellow brothers and sisters, like we're doing this morning, to join our lives together, not just as individuals, but together in worship. The church isn't just the holy, unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. It's we, right? And this week, we're touching on serving together. That's the green banner, and you'll notice it's lit behind me. It's very fancy, Norm. Thank you. Um, It's especially for you all today. And for those whose minds immediately went to, but Aaron, that's not in the right order. The orange one is the next one. Well, I just want to encourage you, take a deep breath, and let it go. Right? If you really need to maintain that linear thinking, there's a prayer team after the service. You can come up and we can lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, let's, in, this, uh, in things this morning, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're kind of using the book of Ephesians in a way, uh, a little bit loosely, but we're using it in a way as a bit of an anchor point in this series. So Ephesians chapter 4. It's a familiar passage, starting in verse 11 to 16, especially around Gateway, and we're going to read it together. Starting in verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, humankind by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's our passage this morning. One of the things that we get out of those last two verses, 15 and 16, happens to be one of the underlying things, one of the underlying messages we want to reinforce in this series. I already kind of said it. In order to be the church, we need to recognize that life with Jesus in his kingdom is not just about me. It's not. It's about we. It's about us. It's about together. Life with Jesus doesn't just allow us to focus, get self-centered on ourselves, like our, in one sense, our our Western culture, uh, our Western independence-producing culture uh, likes to keep creating and churning out. Jesus himself, he asked us to love God to love our neighbor, and to love each other. Not just to sit at home and just kind of be with myself. No. 
The Lord's actually created a system in which you and I receive the most blessing and benefits out of life by actually being dependent on him, but interdependent on one another, sharing the gifts and the talents that we each have with one another, joining together to create something that is far greater than the sum of its parts. And as a church, we're not so much an organization as we are a living, breathing organism. The Bible calls the church what? A body, a living, breathing organism. Today, I want to shift that image of the body, of the church, uh, to another image or metaphor that you probably haven't thought of before, or at least you won't have seen it in Scripture necessarily. It's the church as an orchestra. Now you tell me, if an orchestra has all its players ready, and they've all tuned up with their instruments, but they never play anything, what do you call that? I'm not joking. I'm not, there's not a punchline there. What do, you, what do you call that? No, it, there's no punchline there. What do you call that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a useless orchestra. Right? It does, it's not doing anything. Uh, what if there is no conductor? Chaos. Chaos, yeah. What if all of a sudden the percussionists start playing and then just the trumpets start playing? And everybody else stays silent for the entire piece of music. Veggie tales. <laughs> yeah, veggie <tales. laughs> Yeah, 21st century music, somebody said, yes. Um, it's, it's very true. It's called new music for a reason. Yeah. Um, I'd call it a pretty sad excuse for an orchestra. An orchestra is only truly an orchestra when each of the individual players, the musicians, they watch their conductor for instruction and how to interpret, how the conductor wants to interpret the music and play the music. The musicians listens to the other instruments around them and they actually seek out to serve the whole by adding their particular sound into the mix and balancing that with those that are around them to create this unique, beautiful work of music together. The more an orchestra practices together and works together with the conductor, the greater the skill level and the music that they're going to produce. At least we hope that, anyway. It's like our church. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is the conductor. When we gather together in worship on a Sunday morning, it's his Holy Spirit that is conducting our worship. We have an audience of one. And the Holy Spirit is going on, I'd like a little bit of this, please. I'd like a little bit more of that. You know, you sharing that prophetic word? Yep, I want that sound to come out this morning. You know that loving that person or encouraging them? Yep, that's what I want to come out this morning. That's the Holy Spirit conducting us, working in us and through us to create a sound that is made up of many people serving each other and Jesus at the same time. <clears throat> if we lose focus, if we stop listening to the conductor, everything falls apart, just like Amber said. It's chaos. We need each person playing their part, actively using their gifts and their talents to serve the Lord, one another, and in the things that we're doing as a church, 
so that we can actually accomplish the great mission that we've been given of inviting others to join in the song of the Lamb. Inviting others to become a part of what Jesus is building and creating. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I talked about our vision, about what it is to be an apostolic center, and nobody won the prize. I said, if anybody can let me know where the vision statement is going up next, there'd be a prize. And nobody did. Look behind you on the wall. Hey, if you didn't notice it before, (laughs) ta-da! It's not just on your bulletin. (laughs) It's another way to remind us of the mission that God's given us as a church and the vision that we've got. Um, Out of our passage in Ephesians, I see five things that contribute to our capacity to serve the Lord, one another, and our neighbor. And these five things actually fall kind of neatly, in a sense, into the theme that I'm talking about today. It's the word music. Music, M-U-S-I-C. And the first of the, the M is maturity. At the beginning of Ephesians, in this passage, we see five gifts or offices for ministry that the Lord's given to help mature each believer, each musician, as it were. There's the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers. And these five gifts are not so much about the actual people who function in that way as it is about how important it is how they use that gift. When these gifts work in concert with each other, the result is actually multiplication. Things multiply. Uh, skills, gifts, uh, people, actually, there's multiplication that, that happens. It's kind of like, if I come back to the orchestra analogy, it's kind of like a clinician who comes in to work with the entire orchestra to help the team as a whole grow. That clinician actually also might help a particular section of the orchestra to help them grow in their skill level. For example, an equipping evangelist might be very good at sharing the gospel with people and seeing many people start a relationship with Jesus themselves in their own right. But their main gifting, their main responsibility and influence is actually in teaching others how to share their faith, to equip others to actually share the gospel. Their main job is not just to bring people into the kingdom. That's all of our jobs together. Rather, it's to help Fellow believers grow and mature, mature in their ability to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people in our lives. That is the job of those five gifts. It's not to do all the work. It's actually to come up underneath and equip the team to get out and do the work. As a young musician uh, many years ago, I played... I've talked to you before, I think I, I mentioned that I played the tuba. But before I played the tuba, I played the euphonium. Hey, do we have a fellow euphonium player? Woo, yeah! <laughs> the euphonium is the baby tuba. <laughs> Not this tuba, but this tuba. It's, yeah, it's just a smaller version of the tuba. It's also called the baritone as well. I remember sitting in private music lessons with, uh, at a camp... Uh, that I had been sent to, not 
you know, for punishment. I actually wanted to go. <laughs> um, but he had been playing the euphonium for uh, over 20 years. He was a, a master at his craft. He you know, played in, in music and orchestras and stuff all over the world. Um, so it was a privilege to be able to, uh, to, be, to learn from him. And he was pleased with my playing, but as a part of my growth, as a part of my maturity in playing this instrument, he asked, he said, show me that you can fill this entire room with your sound. So I tried. I, I tried playing louder and louder and as loud as I could. And then finally he just smiled. It's like, you're not getting it. And he stopped. He stopped me. He said, whether it's the loudest blast of sound that you can make or whether it's the smallest whisper that you can play, I want you to be able to fill this room with the sound of your instrument. So as you play, here's my instructions. As you play, close your eyes and imagine the sound growing and coming out the bell of your instrument and filling the room like a warm light that finds its way into every single corner of the room. And to my amazement, as I closed my eyes and I did what he said, there was an obvious shift in the sound that I was producing. The room was filled with sound. It was far more beautiful than anything that I'd ever played before or produced. In, in that moment, that experience actually totally transformed my thinking about what I could do with this instrument. You know what he'd done? This man had helped draw a more mature sound out of me by showing me how to release what was already there. I was able to add that new sound to the orchestra that I played in, the band that I played in, and to encourage other players that were around me with my experience and invite them to grow as well. That's how these five ministry gifts are meant to work, like this man teaching me. They help bring the church to maturity by teaching us and equipping us to do the work of ministry ourselves, to unlock what God's already put in there by his spirit and see it released. You know, whether you can sing a note, or whether you can't sing a note to save your life, or play an instrument in real life, doesn't really matter. Um, the point of this illustration is, you are the instrument. You are the musician with that instrument. You have a unique sound a unique gift that contributes to the whole. And Jesus invites you to keep growing and maturing in that along with the rest of us. You know, do you know what those unique gifts are that you have? If you don't, well, there's a simple thing. Uh, we have an online gifts assessment that you can try out uh, that will help open up the door to your understanding of, wow, I never realized that about myself. Maybe that's an area that I can grow and mature in. See, we, we want as a body for everybody to be able to find their place so that they can serve, that they can be playing in one sense to their full potential. Um, she was doing it this morning. Sorry to single you out, Audra, but um, many are blessed by Audra as she plays her violin on Sunday mornings or in our meetings. She simply listens to the Holy Spirit and is moved by what she hears 
And that message is then translated through her fingers to her bow, to her violin, and as she plays, there is something that is released. There is a sound that fills the room. It might not have words, but the message gets communicated. And we as a people were actually encouraged and built up, quite literally, as she plays her part. Um, Can I ask you, when you come on a Sunday morning or to any other of our gatherings together, do you bring your instrument and are you ready to play? Do you bring it with you, all that you are, and are you ready to actually play? Or do you leave your instrument at home, your gifts and all those things, and expect to come and sit in the orchestra while everybody around you plays. Sorry to get a little heavy on you, but it's, it's kind of ridiculous when you put it that way, isn't it? What would happen if you know, you've got sections of, of five, different, five instruments to a section in an orchestra, and three out of each one of those f- f- sections decided, well, you guys can play today, and I'm just going to sit here. And we're going to make beautiful music together. Everybody around you is going, you know, whatever. It, it just doesn't make sense, does it? We serve together. We worship together. We're actually meant to do life together. Um, we need each of you. Not because we simply want to fill a ministry position so we can just use you for a while or something like that. No. We need each of you because... As we combine gifts and talents together, the sound that is generated, the music that flows from this place becomes something amazing, and the kingdom of God advances. As we work together, as we grow together, the Holy Spirit works in and through us to actually mature us. Part of Norm and my role together as pastors is to help you to find your place to grow. If you want to get involved, I know many of you are already, um, come talk to us. Find your place. For those of you who have been playing for a long time, you know who you are. You feel it. Um, You already know where you fit. You've been serving there a while. Can I encourage you in something? Look for ways and opportunities to pass on what you have learned to the next generation. Like the fellow who taught me in that room to fill that room with music. You know, while Jesus is ultimately the one who is maturing us and preparing us as his bride, Jesus uses people. He uses people to pass on things in order to help us. Like it says in verse 13, until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's M. And all the other ones are shorter. Just in case you were wondering. The U, this verse already highlights the second way we serve each other, and that's through unity. Unity is actually something that's produced by the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about it, uh, even he highlights this, at the very first part of this chapter that we're in today, 
Um, and it illustrates actually how we should act as the church together. I'll just read it. It's not going to come up there, but it's Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you, church, not just you, not just Norm, you know, not just Ben, not just Carla, I urge you, capital U, y'all, if, you, if that works better for you, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to, for which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Who does the unity belong to? The Spirit. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Not only does this talk about the unity the Holy Spirit produces and the way that we can posture ourselves in maintaining that unity as we love one another, but we see actually what unites us. We have one Lord, one faith and baptism into Jesus Christ as his church. If you know in our citywide church initiatives in coming together, our catchphrase is what? One, One Lord... One church, one harvest. There's all sorts of things that in the church we can disagree about and finer finer points of theology and doctrine and things like that. But the one thing that unites us is we have one Lord. We have one church of whom Jesus Christ is the head and he has commissioned us into a harvest. That's what we can agree on for sure. Sometimes people think that in order to have unity, that everyone needs to believe exactly the same way. That somehow unity comes through conformity. It doesn't. At least not without fear being introduced to maintain it. Uh, Fear is usually what's needed in order to maintain conformity. Um, There are pieces of music that have been created for large numbers of instruments, like a hundred banjos. Wouldn't that be a great sound? Or 76 trombones. Uh, But those are usually unique circumstances. Usually an orchestra isn't made up of 60 of the same type of of instrument, all playing exactly the same thing. Uh, An orchestra uh, produces a sound that is made up of a diverse group of instruments that unite under the direction of a single conductor and their vision for that music. That's Jesus, if you hadn't figured it out, by the way in order to combine their voices together in harmony to create something that they could never have created on their own. Paul says back in Romans 15, he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our posture. That's our way of being. That's the thing that we fight for. We fight for the ground of unity amongst the saints. You know, what do you hear? What's the very first thing that you hear uh, an orchestra do before they play? Yeah, tune, right? Right? There's all this kind of, these sounds kind of coming out. And in, in the case of an orchestra, they've agreed that the note produced by the oboe will be the one tone that
that aligns everyone. That's what they will tune to. It allows the entire orchestra to come into unity around a single pitch. It just so happens, in our case, Jesus as the conductor, in one sense is kind of a funny thought, but he's also the oboe player. (laughs) He's the truth. He's the word. He's the plumb line. He's the pure tone that we unite under. It's his truth that we unite under and serve together to make that music together, to align us. Without Jesus to unite us by his spirit, we would not only fall apart, but we'd sound, we'd sound awful together. I suppose we could ask ourselves, what, what kind of sound do we produce as Gateway South Osborne? Are we in tune? Are we willing to work together and to serve together? I think we are, in a sense. I see evidence of that all around us. But like every other local fellowship, we'll need to keep growing and maturing in that until Jesus returns. Um, this, it's this ongoing process of, uh, of actually serving one another with the result being, as we find that unity together, to change the image a little bit, uh, we become a force to be reckoned with. A church that is united, a people that are united together under the banner of Jesus Christ makes the enemy shake in his boots. When we get out on the battlefield, the enemy scatters. It's an amazing thing to behold. As we mature in our understanding of Christ, as we unite under his banner, there is stability that comes. There's your S in music. We see the need in, the, in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. As we grow together, as you and I grow together in love for one another, it actually provides a stable platform for us to serve together. In this passage, it's specifically talking about the need to unite under the same theology and doctrine, in a sense. One shared faith. You know, our shared faith acts as a solid foundation and a base to actually launch from. But it's not just about agreeing on the right words or a particular page of a statement of faith. It's about the relationship that you and I commit to together under the banner of that truth. It's fine that we can kind of believe those things, but what are we actually going to do about it together? We're in relationship with one another. We're joined together in his family. You know, if I, if I shrink that responsibility um, down in size to like a four-piece jazz band uh, from uh, an orchestra, it'll help us see something. As the musicians together, they agree on a common vision, they commit to each other to work together, something happens. You know, what they actually hold in common together, the direction they're headed in, actually helps them and allows them to grow and create a new sound as they grow together. Though there will even be a sense where, sometimes when they're playing Amber, you know, you know this, where the, the band is just in the groove, and you know each other, you're friends, there's a stability that's there, and when someone all of a sudden takes off in a certain direction, it's like everybody else in the band 
band knows that shorthand. And they know where that person is going because they really know them. They, and they can actually fall in right behind and support what that person is doing rather than kind of just letting them hang out there. You know, it's kind of like all of a sudden somebody uh, belting out a solo and the entire band just stops because they're stunned. You know, they leave them out to dry. <laughs> but no, when that band is working together and they're working on that common vision of what they want to create together, there is a stability for risk-taking, for creativity, because you know one another. You know the foundations of what it is that you're trying to do. You're in the pocket together, or you're in unity with one another. It creates this stable space that actually spurs each other on into greater things and to go further. Can you see the parallels with the church? When we commit together in meaningful ways that are beyond simply just attending church on a Sunday, we launch into something that's far more meaningful and great. You know, choosing to serve in an area of the church, um, you know, or whatever the Lord's guiding you to do outside these four walls. But for matters today, you know, whether it's being a part of a cell group, whether it's coming out to prayer summits, uh, whether it's inviting your friends to church, they're all practical ways that I can actually show Church, I'm committed to you, and I want to help us grow. I want to help create something special here. Those practical things are just some of the ways that we build that unspoken musical trust with one another. It's that question we're looking across from one another going, are you with me? Yep, I'm with you. We're going to go do this together. The result is a stronger sense of vision and togetherness that gives us that underlying stability to launch out from. As you can imagine, with greater stability, it allows us to trust one another, which leads to the fourth thing that helps us to serve together, intimacy. Without trust, there is never true intimacy. If I can't trust that you have my back or that you're going to turn on me, I'm going to limit my ability to share things with you that really matter to me. Isn't that true? It's just the way it works. There are a couple simple words that Paul shares in verse 15 of Ephesians 4 that communicate intimacy. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. What kind of environment needs to be created for us to speak the truth in love? It's one in which there is mutual accountability for our actions with one another. In an orchestra or in a band, there has to be an, an environment where you can talk about awkward things. Maybe even fight about it, but come out the other side as friends. <laughs> Why? Because you have to love one another first. In, in a band, that, that's how good friends playing in a studio can say, you know, that really sucked. <laughs> that really sucked, but you know what? Let's work on it and we'll do better on the next take. Let's do it together. Let's figure it out. You know, if they can't be mutually honest and real with each other, 
They'll produce mediocre music. They'll never say what needs saying in order to get back on track for the greater good. You know, a good conductor will be extremely demanding on their musicians. He or she will demand the best. Negatively, they can lead through fear and intimidation. But that's the actions of a selfish and arrogant person who really isn't concerned about the people. They're actually only concerned with getting the result that they want for the vision that they want to be achieved. They're not really collaborative. You know, if you can't perform, well, you're replaceable. I'll get somebody else. But thankfully, we have a gracious conductor. Even though he demands everything from us, Jesus has shown that he is absolutely worthy of our allegiance, our trust, and our very lives. You know, when we, pray, when we play the wrong notes, he shows us grace, and he helps us to get back on track. Jesus expects, in, in one sense, Jesus expects that the way that he treats us, that we will treat other people. Not only loving and treating one another with grace, but also holding each other to the highest standard that we know as we follow Jesus and we serve him together. Church, can you handle that kind of intimacy? Can you handle that kind of accountability to one another that lets our relationships with one another go deeper? As we grow in our capacity to serve together and make music, that's the kind of thing that's going to keep moving us forward together. You know, in, in a basic way, that's why we have Hearing God seminars, Set Free retreats, Empower Ministers retreats, uh, Prayer Summit, Cell Groups, right? Because all of these things are contexts for us to grow not only in our relationship with God, but also to allow us to grow at different levels of intimacy and togetherness with each other. And what we learn there actually equips us to serve together, to serve him and advance the kingdom. Are you with me? The last letter is C, music. And the C is completeness. At the, fall, at the end of verse 13, so it says, Until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ is without equal or scope. It will be something that is unfathomable to behold when he returns. That word for uh, fullness there refers to something that is complete, something that has achieved perfection. I don't know about you, but I don't feel perfect all the time. Not most of the time. <laughs> I know also from my lifetime of being in the church that it's far from perfect too. Uh, I may be a wonderful saint in God's kingdom like Ron preached last week, but I also know my weaknesses. And I'm still working on Jesus with that by the power of his spirit to see those areas of my own life transformed and turned into something that is strength and brings glory to God. 
mean, ultimately, that completeness, that perfection, that fullness will only come after Jesus Christ returns for his bride, the church. As his church, we're going to be working with Jesus until he returns. And we're going to continue growing in maturity, unity, stability, and intimacy together to bring about the completeness, the fullness that's promised. What a day that's going to be. I've tried to think about that in the past, and I'm like, my head just doesn't quite get around it. I'm sp- probably that's the way it's supposed to be, though. There's certainly times that you and I need breaks. We need to recharge from actively serving together. There's always grace with Jesus for that. But Jesus will always also call us back to keep playing and contributing your sound along with the rest of us. We don't get to take a break, in a sense. Not until we get home. In fact, Jesus has promised his Holy Spirit to strengthen you, even when you feel like you're at your weakest. In one sense, that's where we actually see completeness in the here and now. Because the Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is what? Made perfect, full, complete in your weakness. Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest in me. Wow, what a trade-up. <laughs> what an exchange. I get to give you my least and you give me your best. (laughs) Where's that economy in the world around us? Only the Lord. So in the meantime, as I close, what would it mean for you personally to grow in your ability and for us to play music together here at Gateway? To serve together as the church in one sense, does after all mean each of us making a choice to step up, find out where I fit, and discover the best way to use the gifts and talents that I have, and then lift up that instrument and play your heart out. Let it go. Fill the room with the sound that you were created to make, to join together with the body of Christ in the orchestra. What's Jesus speaking to you today? Just take the next step of faith. Be obedient to that and see what happens. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the one who's building the church. Lord, if it was left up to people like me or others, uh, we'd build something that would have crumbled long ago. But Jesus, we want to declare today that we want to be part of the church that you're building. Uh, Lord, where we need to turn, where we need to get more in line with you, would you help us with that? Because ultimately, Lord, we not only want to serve you, to love you, and to worship you, uh, but we want to serve together in advancing the kingdom of God and the call that you've placed on us as a people and as individuals. Holy Spirit, I invite you. 
to rest on each person here and highlight for them the thing that you're speaking to them personally today in the way that they're meant to add their sound into the mix so that the the sound, that the song, that the melody, that the, the score of what it is that you are writing amongst us would be truly glorifying. Jesus, would you make yourself perfect in our weakness? Show yourself strong and glorious. We love you.